Hello, this is the Black and Asian Therapist Network podcast. My name is Eugene Ellis. In this podcast, I'm speaking with Poppy Banerjee. Poppy Banerjee has been practicing as a counselor and psychotherapist since 1994 and has been trained in person-centered existential therapies and has substantial experience of working with Asian women and girls. She's also a trainer, group facilitator and a qualified clinical supervisor. In 1995, Poppy initiated and developed a pan-London forum for Asian counsellors and professionals working in the mental health field called the Asian Mental Health Forum. Poppy has been involved as a consultant with various voluntary and statutory organisations and has been instrumental in setting up and developing services especially for Asian women focusing on domestic violence, forced marriage, self-harm and any other social issues affecting the community. Poppy is also an associate member of Barton, the Black and Asian Therapies Network, and currently facilitating student support groups focusing on race and culture. Here then is Poppy Banerjee. Hello, Poppy, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Adrian. Hello. Um, I mean, we've known each other for quite a while. I was just trying to remember the first time we met. I can't remember what, when that was. Six years now. Is it six years? Yeah. yeah. I think it was I mean, it's through a mutual friend, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then you came on board um, with some of the support groups for supporting students who are going through training. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, you excellently facilitate those groups. And so we've kind of known, known each other a little bit more through that. And yeah. we kind of bump into each other, conferences and... So, you know, welcome and thank you for coming. You're, I mean, you're, you're a psychotherapist um, and you're a consultant as well for organisations, especially around Asian women and girls. Yeah. Um, and you're very passionate about this area, specifically around domestic violence, uh, forced marriage and self-harm. Mm-hmm. And you're committed to raising awareness in the community in this area. Absolutely. And you've been practising for many, many years. But, I mean, what motivated you to become a counsellor? I mean, what sort of started the journey for you? That sort of, what was the seed that kind of okay. took you there? This is going back about 18, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, I was thinking of changing my job. Right. Um, what were you doing well, at the time? Well, I, I was in housing field. My background is okay. housing, um, basically managing hostels for single homeless women who had medium to high support needs. Right, right. Um, but I was really kind of looking at changes, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't know what... And also there were some cultural issues, uh, conflict that, was, that I was going through. Right. So I started looking for a counsellor. Okay. I wanted to look for someone from my own culture. Okay. Female Asian counsellor. Okay. And I searched and searched. All right. I couldn't find any. Okay. So I thought, okay, if I can't find one, I'll become one. Hmm. So this is what inspired me to um, start a diploma. Right, right. Hence, I went in that field and I felt quite passionate about um, what counselling involves. Yeah, And yeah. here I am. Okay. So, 18 years in practice now. Yeah. So, I mean, you've had, it sounds like you got a counsellor for yourself. I mean, I guess that was, wasn't an Asian counsellor, but what was that? Was that an okay experience for you? Yes, that, I that... tried different counsellors. Right. Uh, male, female, from different backgrounds and okay. race. 
Um, So that was interesting. And I learned from each one of them that I've worked with. Yeah. And that affirmed my decision to become counsellor. Right, right. Yeah. Was it becoming a counsellor first, your decision, and then you went into counselling? Or was it... No, I... You just thought, I I didn't need something for myself. And then through that process, he thought, oh, there's something in here that could... Yeah, I didn't actually know very much about what counselling involved. Right. I started searching, and I wanted someone who is Asian yes. uh, to look at some cultural issues to work through. Yes. Uh, because I couldn't find any, so I thought, okay, I'll just start and see what happens. Okay. Um, so I worked with um, a counsellor from a white uh, background. Yes. And I found it really challenging as well as interesting, and I've worked through a lot of issues. Okay. And then I changed um, my counsellor after about a few months or so, mm. and tried different ones yeah. to see the style. Yes, yes. And that's when I started thinking about going on the course. Right, right, right. Um, so as I was in therapy, yes, I went on the course oh, right, and right. found that this is something that I'm really interested in mm. I mean, did you have um, when you went on the counselling course did you sort of know where you were going with that did you kind of say oh, I want to do this I want to or, or, or was it more kind of just process and yeah you know, just... a bit of both I, I did a lot of research around what I wanted to do what, what kind of counselling as well okay. so I talked to different people I talked to my counsellor as well mm. and then looked into what would suit me yes and I enrolled and a course that was self-directive, right. um, humanistic, um, person-centred, existential mm. level. Mm-hmm. So um, as I joined in, I found myself really connected mm. to the course I was mm. doing. Mm. And then I continued doing that. Mm. Mm. Um, when I read about other approaches, um, I felt I could understand, but person-centred was the style that I wanted to adapt. But, but was it easy to call yourself a counsellor? Did you, did you sort of hold on to that title well? Because I know a lot of other black, you know, black counsellors that I met, I've met or Asian counsellors, they're kind of, you know, the, the word counsellor, psychotherapist, sort of doesn't quite fit in with a lot of family expectations and, and so on. I mean, is that something that you struggled with or did you sort of take that sort of role fairly swiftly? I think for me it was fine. Right. But it was really difficult to uh, explain to other people what it involves. Especially in um, the Asian languages, counsellor is meaning to be advisor. Okay. So um, it doesn't have a definition as such as we understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, People often interpret counsellor to be giving advice. So right. I had to struggle a lot explaining the differences between counsellor and advisor. Right. And right. I, I think at times I still do that. Okay. It's an ongoing process. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was very much clear around what the role involves, mm, mm. but not necessarily for other people, especially in my community. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, it was fine over the years. Um, as I started to practice... I found that it's become more and more popular. Mm. Initially, going back 17, 18 years ago, mm-hmm. especially in the community, um, they didn't know what 
counseling is about mm. often associated counseling with mental health problems or illness yes yeah um, so you had to... and that was a challenge right if you're not here why would I go exactly yeah did, did you feel supported by your community or yeah, were they resistant do you think or did they just go with the flow I mean what was your experience um, I know different people have different experiences mm, mm. well what I started to do is um, I took up a post of a development manager and set up a counselling service initially um, this is in a voluntary organisation yes Hackney initially we received some funding yes but the organisation wasn't sure how to set it up hmm so I um, organised a conference, mm. Asian Women and okay. Mental Health Conference. Okay. Um, this was meant to be just for the borough initially. Mm-hmm. Then it became so big, I received calls and people um, being interested from all over London. Yeah. And then through word of mouth, people got to know uh, have members of the community from Birmingham and Manchester. Oh, nice. So initially, I wanted it for the uh, in the borough. Yeah. It became a national conference. Right. So I had to postpone, and the time scale had to be a bit longer, obviously. So the conference was a real success. Mm. I didn't expect more than 50 people. We had 150. Right. From that conference, um, it was very much an evidence that there were needs for Asian um, practitioners, whether mm. they are in mental health fields yes. or uh, counselling, needed the support. Hence, one of the recommendations was to set up Asian Mental Health Forum. Nice. And that's where... Um, I initiated the forum. Yes, and you were chair of that. And uh, yeah, I um, chaired for about well over. We ran for about ten years. It mm. went on for ten years, which is a long time. Mm. Um, now and then, I chaired and I came out. Other people took time. Okay. Um, yes. So it was an interesting forum. People made use of it. We had lots of um, counselors in training mm. who needed that support. Mm. Mm. So you were supporting, you know, the councillors that were coming up. That's right. Um, they would have gotten a lot out of that, wouldn't they? Because yeah. there were very few That's right. uh, Asian councillors or Asian women councillors at that time, yeah. One of the other things I also did, Eugene, um, to raise awareness, did a lot of um, community events. Okay. And invited um, community members to mm-hmm. come on board to um, workshops. Right. So if I could explain what counselling is, mm-hmm. then they would understand whether they uh, need it for themselves or mm. other people in the family or not. Yes, yes, yes. So that way I've actually managed to um, get a lot of audience who mm. became aware of what it involves. Yes, yes, yes. And as I continued to do that, we generated self-referrals. Right. And that's how the um, project got set up. Right, right. Um, is that project still running, the one that you set um, up at that point? Yes, yes, it okay. is still running. But I was there for about five, six years. Okay. Um, okay. Having set it up, I moved on to another project. Right. <laughs> it sounds as if, um, speaking to you earlier, it sort of sounds like you're going to get things flourishing somewhere and spend time and nurture it and 
you know, bring it to fruition and then sort of move on and create something somewhere else. Is that kind of how it is? Is that It is. It's okay. still the same for <laughs> right. me. I feel very passionate about supporting other people to become counsellors or practitioners. Mm. Um, so um, I go into a field, I set it up, and I like to see other people coming on board. Yes. And... Yeah. When they're ready, they take over, and I, I go off. Okay. Fly off. <laughs> you fly off and do, sort of do it somewhere else. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you're passionate around this area with, with the Asian women and domestic violence and forced marriage and so on. I mean, is that something that you deliberately went for, or was it just something that was just just a need which you, which you kind of went for and met? Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, um, my background is housing. I used to right. manage hostel Ah. for single homeless women ah, who okay. have been abused um, right, right, in, in okay. some ways and a lot of them um, were um, survivors of domestic violence. So okay. I had that little bit of knowledge around that issue. So you could see the pain, so you could, could see, see the pain. issues. You said to yourself, well, I've got something to offer in terms yeah. of more in supporting depth. them more in depth and psychologically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Um, so uh, when I established the project, I did a lot of um, outreach work, going to GPs and um, organizations, agencies supporting um, Asian women in yes. domestic violence situation, etc. Right, right. And that way generated uh, referrals. Mm. I, at the moment, work for um, two organizations. One is New Asian Women's Project. Okay. It's a domestic violence organization so mm. supporting um, Asian women. Mm-hmm. Um, I also work for Changing Lives. Um, we have office in London, South London as right. well as Luton. So okay. I'm actually at the moment working in Luton. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much around getting the community to look after their mental well-being. So the project is helping the community members to identify what the needs are. Yes. And there are a lot of potential. There's a lot of um, experiences, wealth of information and knowledge, Mm. but they're not utilising them. Mm. So what we are actually doing is helping them to um, recognise their potential. Mm. They then become volunteer with the organisation. Okay. So once they have been with us for a while, they get trained to become facilitators. Right, right. So they go through the whole process of um, coming onto our training programs. Having done that once or twice, they become volunteer. They go in as observers with a hat uh, to become a facilitator at some mm, point mm. in their lives. Mm, mm then they take up the facilitator's role mm. and they're supported throughout. Right, right. So that's one of the yeah, very yeah. interesting things yeah. I do. And um, in addition, I also offer group therapy as well as one-to-one. It sort of sounds, there's a kind of a, a sort of natural flow between coming in as a client, I guess, or, or a patient and then moving through the process yeah. and then supporting um, other people coming in yeah. through the front door yeah. and, and moving on like that. So that yeah. I mean that sounds really good, really great. I mean, are there, I guess there are challenges with seeking support for that kind of thing. I mean, mm. because of the culture, I guess for anyone, mm. not just Asians, but 
There's um, a lot of stigma attached. Yeah. Yeah, not just in Asian community, in all communities, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah. In the Asian community, particularly, confidentiality is a big issue. So they don't necessarily talk to anyone. How, how do you manage that and then get people to come? It's, again, word of mouth. Um, I have worked with a lot of clients who have had counselling before from either our organisation or elsewhere. Right. And if they've had positive experience, they'll, you know, go and tell others. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's how they do, do make self-referrals. But we get a lot of referrals from GPs mm. Um, mm. and other agencies, really. So going back to the stigma attached... Because of the confidentiality issue, they don't talk about it very much mm. with friends and relatives. Yes. But they will talk to professionals once they engage. Right. It's mm. actually getting them engaged. Yes. Is yes. a challenging issue. <laughs> right. Mm. So, that, I mean, that's, you know, the outreach work, I guess, is about that. Absolutely. I mean, what's the most effective way that you found to engage um, in that way. Initially, it's it's actually doing workshops and okay. um, organizing community events. Yeah. So, for example, if it's um, International Women's Day, they will have a whole day of fun. We'll have um, a table um, mm-hmm. stall where we can explain what counselling is about. Right. And do a bit of presentation. Right. Okay. Um, who can come and when etc so mm. I come from a view that everybody anybody can make use of counselling you don't necessarily have to have a problem to see a therapist Mm. you can work through things that are good to improve so my presentation would be it's not that you're not doing well Mm. you're probably doing fine but you may need to think about areas that you want to improve around Mm. so you can make use of it Mm-hmm. So what happens, then they take up that opportunity and then as they start engaging, mm-hmm. they find themselves going deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and they make good use of it and they have positive experience. You will probably get the most out of it if you're not on your knees. Yeah, and they're coming on a voluntary basis. Yes. You know, nobody's actually telling them that you need yeah. counselling. Yes. They are making that informed decision and it works. Yeah. You've probably seen, you know, many people go through the project and um, come out the other side and, 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 and get something out of it, which is why you do this work. Absolutely. What inspires you the most? You know, you, you're working on these projects and you're, mm. you know, you need to get up and mm. do the drudgery, which some, some of it is not all, you know, some of it's kind of hard work, staying with the pain and so on. I mean, what inspires you yeah. to stay? Nature of the job is such... We don't know what's gonna, uh, what's happening after they've finished mm. working with us. Mm. So we, 80% of the time, we wouldn't know how they're doing. Mm. But in my heart, I know that they've made use of it mm-hmm. and they've worked through certain things and they are where they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, through the process of counselling, I know not necessarily through the evaluation forms, but I know through the process that mm. they have actually got somewhere. Yes, yes. Perhaps not to the extent that they expected in all cases, yes, but yes. they have. So they go away um, having made use of it. 
Mm. So, and what inspires me also, um, when I get a card after a year, right. or if I get a call, um, in fact, just last week I received a phone call from uh, an old client of mine saying that um, she was granted to remain in England. Basically, she was on no course to public funds. So she, mm -hmm. the immigration status was such she was facing deportation. Right. Um, so we worked through that and there's a lot of report writing, etc. She was in a very, very difficult, uncertain place. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, having received a call saying thank you for your support and help made my job worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So when I get a letter or card or phone call, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. makes me feel... Yeah, I want to continue with this. Yes, because I guess as counsellors, we see people and they go, and we don't often know what happens when they leave. Mm. So it's nice, to, as you say, to get something a year later, and you think it's clearly had an impact yeah. a year after, mm. and they've changed some aspect of their lives for the better. So mm. Mm. I've actually um, worked with a number of clients who have become counsellors now. Oh, okay. So that's quite inspiring. <laughs> right. Okay. So I meet them and say, oh, it's, yeah, about five years ago I had counselling from you. Um, so I, I know um, quite a few people who have actually having had therapy, mm. went on to course and did well and now practising. Right, okay. So that's sort of yeah. another sort of uh, inspiring thing. What is it about counselling um, that sort of moves it away from just your chat to your friends? Um, I explain a lot about what confidentiality means. Mm. So clients are able to share what they feel openly. Yes. Of course, the trust needs to be built up. Sure. Um, it's really important the emphasis is there that um, I'm not, as a counsellor, going to give them advice so just being there mm. in the session, listening to their pain, listening to what they have to say, mm. gets them to think about it being different from talking to a friend or a relative. Um, for some of them, it's the only time or the first time when they mm. come for counselling, they get to sit down and talk about themselves, think about themselves and acknowledge feelings. Mm, mm. So that's the huge difference between counselling process and talking to a friend. So it's something about your voice being heard Absolutely. without advice, yeah. without counsel, without someone else's view on it. Yeah. We're not placing any opinion. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, judgment free, just, I suppose. Yeah. It's about thinking loud. Yes. and picking up on underlying issues. Mm. Perhaps it's difficult for some people, mm -hmm. but it enforces them to think and feel. And what if you just think about your feelings so much, you know, and just sort of just go under in a well of despair? What sort of prevents that getting lost in it feeling, which I guess people must feel, to feel a sort of wariness around I think people talking? need to go through that process of yeah. feeling and acknowledging and the actual work needs to happen around where the feelings are coming from. What mm. causes it? Right. Um, if there's a problem, you cannot necessarily solve the problem unless you know where it's coming from. Right. So you need to go to the root of the problem um, to identify 
um, so that you can prevent it from happening again. Mm. That's another long-term impact of counselling. Right, yeah. You learn from your experience and then go through the whole process of understanding how much um, you as a client have contributed in that. So mm. taking responsibility as mm. well. Mm. So it's not just talking about feeling and acknowledging and doing nothing about it. Right, yeah. It's taking the responsibility to yeah, yeah. sort it out for, yeah. for yourself. Because I guess what you're saying is that um, our feelings drive us and we may not know that. And um, by giving ourselves a bit of a space to reflect and to think about emotionally where we are yeah. and then where that's come from mm. gives us more opportunities to kind of change yeah. if we know why it's there. Mm. We can then make some conscious decisions about that's it. Right. And, and, and there's some sense of responsibility there, isn't it? Or being able to respond mm. to, to the things that are going on inside you. Yeah. The process of talking is just about uncovering a lot of that hmm. for yourself. Hmm. That's right, yeah. yeah. I, I believe that all problems have solutions. Sometimes yeah. we don't know how to find um, yeah. them ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's about going through the process of talking about it, thinking about it, feeling, and understanding where it's coming from. Yes, yeah, yeah. So if we go through that, then we'll be able to come up with ideas, mm. i.e., solutions. Well, you're also saying that there's something inherently different about doing it on your own because you could sit on your own and write, yeah. you know, write all this stuff down and, right. and try to work it out. And doing it with someone else, there's something different about that. And, and someone else who's someone trained, else. right? Yeah, who's trained to be able to unpick, if you yeah. know what I mean. Kind of knows how how the mind works, yeah, and can use that knowledge to get you to where you want to go. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So helping them to go much more of a deeper level yeah, yeah. and um, come up with solutions. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what, I mean, what are the sort of frustrating um, aspects of you know, the work, setting up these organisations and you know, the day-to-day kind of gain up and hearing these stories? What are the sort of tricky moments for you in terms of all of that? I guess initially, uh, in my early days, it was a challenge to have to go out in the community and justify the need for it. Yes. Why do uh, oh, anybody need counselling? What good would it do? And also in the community, if you're working with women, there's a lot more challenges. Because why is it for women only? Um, yeah, where's the are you breaking up families? Yes, right, yes, um, yes. So if you're supporting a woman to find them, find herself, you are seen to be breaking up family mm. because they, mm. they can become a bit assertive. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they can feel empowered. Yes. And um, if they make informed decisions, mm. then it can create... Uh, a bit of a problem mm, for mm. Um, perpetrators, I guess. Yes, yes. Yeah, it could be seen like that, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, I.e., um, yes, um, if you're going to empower women in that way, it's going to mess up the status quo, and, um, mm. and I guess there could be some resistance against that. Yeah. In terms of Asian men's projects, are there Asian men's projects t- uh, I say not, as, right. not as many as uh, there 
could be or should mm. be, because we all need counselling. Yes. A lot of work needs to happen with the family. Mm. Strengthening families yes. important, because you can only do so much work on an individual level. So if the whole family is looked after, mm. they can look after each other. And that prevents um, individuals to become depressed or victims or whatever. Mm. Are there projects that sort of look in that area for uh, in terms of families? You're supporting the victims um, of domestic violence. In one of the projects, right. in the other project where I work, it is a lot of work is happening around strengthening families. Right. Okay. So we are working. Uh, there's a model, a strengthening family program. Basically, oh, right. it's a seven-week program for two to three hours, it's twenty-one hours. Okay. All together, so we get the families together, hmm. split them into adults and young people, hmm. and then uh, simultaneously work with mm. them. Right. The facilitators would help them to go through the process of understanding what their children are thinking right. and understanding what the youth group's parents are thinking mm. then getting them together mm. talking, having a dialogue. Mm. 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 So it's also about recognising skills and abilities mm. they have Mm. And what are the kind of things that they need to communicate around to strengthen the family? Mm. Mm. Um, so I find that quite interesting. It's mm. it's not strictly counselling, but um, I will use my counselling skills in mm. facilitating those programs. Mm-hmm. And those families, mm. do they sort of just self refer, or do they tend to come? Um, it's through GPs? schools. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, okay, that sounds. An important project. Yeah. Yes. Is that is that something new that's happening, or has um, that been happening for, that's for a while? That's been happening for a couple of years now. Okay. And this is in Luton. Right. So thank you. We are hoping to expand uh, in in London as well. Mm. So, um, what's next for Poppy? I mean, for me. you'd, be, you'd be, I guess, after Luton, you might be moving to somewhere else. But do you envisage con- continuing doing this kind of work, or are you going to write in this area, or? or train or anything? I can see myself um, doing this um, in addition to -to one-to-one, offer um, group therapy as well as training. And with the Black and Asian Therapist Network, Mm. um, I um, love the opportunity to meet with students when I facilitate student support group Mm. and learn from them and hope to continue with that. Well, it's been great talking to you. You're really confident about your work and, you know, you leave your training and just go and set up a, an organisation. just seems just like that. And it just feels quite sort of quite inspiring that uh, anyone can kind of just do that. I'm sure mm. anyone can't, but you certainly can. With so. a lot of support from with, colleagues. With a lot of support. <laughs> okay, of course. So thank you. It's been really good to talk to you. And, thank you um, for the opportunity. Yeah, I look forward to working with you somewhere down the line I'm sure we'll meet again um, very soon and uh, thanks again okay thank you that was Poppy Banerjee talking about her work with Asian women and families if you want to know more about the Black and Asian Therapist Network you can visit their website on www.baatn.org.uk If you'd like to comment about this or any of the other podcasts, you can do so on the podcast page or you can email me at podcast 
at baatn.org.uk. I hope you can join me for the next podcast. Until then, goodbye.